<laughs> well, th thank you, Bryce and Alicia. I, I don't know if you knew where we were going to be today or you saw the the message title, but that was a pretty cool, good good songs to sing and everything for, for John 15. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, it is a good morning. It is a, a good day, right? Even as the, the sun arcs this way, and I know daylight savings time is coming because of where the sun is in the pulpit. I'm like, ah, it's here. It is nigh. <laughs> Prepare yourself, right? Don't set it back. Just come to Sunday school. There, that's the that's the mission, okay? Uh, and it was good. It was good today. So, you know, it was a good day because we can we can come before the Lord. We can we can worship Him, and you know, as as the song said, we can dive into his word and, and know the father's heart now as we continue in our study of the gospel of john it's like dude, we're in chapter 15 now that's awesome right i i i love this whole book and every chapter it's more and more it's just so much fun uh, to study it uh, but as we as we go to that text this the context of this whole passage really made me think about joy you know what what is joy? You're, you're welcome to answer if you want to. Yeah? You know what? How do we define joy? The internet is right there. Punch joy into Google. Definition is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It's pretty, woo, pretty broad, right? Because you can have feelings of great joy and happiness about pizza to, <laughs> to, to you know, singing to the Lord, right? You know, it's kind of like, a, well, wait, you know, what do, you know, how, does our, how does our world encapsulate that? You know, we, you know how, how do we find the joy-filled life or what, what does the joy-filled life even look like? You know, there, are, there are many ideas through our culture that, that fill our TV screens, our computer screens, or probably just our tablets or phones by now, right? Do, do we watch things on TV still? We still do? Okay, I do. No. But I'm old. I still have a Facebook and a Yahoo. What? I do all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh. You know, uh, the phone is small, right? You know, so See, I am an old man. I watch on the TV screen. <laughs> Uh, you know, but I, I googled around and I was like, you know, what are what are some worldviews? What is the joyful life? Well, the first quote I ran into is, well, you choose it. No matter what happens, you choose it. Well, that that made me think of well the the power of positive thinking that you know we can and will change reality as we think better about it. Like oh, reality is still broken and there's still messes that are that are here. We may hear, well, I do what I please, and that makes me joyful. You know, I am the free will agent of my own existence, and I am able to bring myself joy. That seems really new ageish, new ageish. You know, God entitlement, pride goes before the fall is the is a scripture that that comes to me right there. You know, and then we may hear from the, the rock and roll, kind of the hippie guy, like, peace, dude, well, sex, drug, and rock and roll, man. That's the way, right? Can you dig it? Anybody ever watch the Warriors movie? 
No, don't. It's okay. Yeah. Anything I bring up as an illustration, just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah just... <laughs> uh, Return of the Jedi, though. We, we need to watch that one, Bryce. Okay. We can even put it on the big screen. You got to know what an Ewok is, right? You know, little furry guy? You know who Chewie is, right? Big furry guy. There you go. Uh, descriptions today. You know, that's the way, right? You know, it's, it's life's a party. Life's here to just have a good time for tomorrow we die, right? Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And then we may hear, probably not on the TV or the smartphone, a joyful life is to please the Lord. Do we believe in, in one of these or maybe all of these? Maybe we're just on the pathway of like trying to straddle the world and the Christian life at the same time. Well, you're going to fall into the world if you do that. You know, what, what kind of joy as a follower of Christ do we seek here and now in this world? You know, today, uh, Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says, Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Our, our aim, our, uh, our seeking in life is to please the one that has enlisted us, to please the one that has set us apart for his glory. How do, how do we do that when we live in a world that says it's all about what you want? You know, Burger King, you know, have it your way, right? Burger King came up again today. Hmm, what do you know? Um, you know, it's, it's about pleasing oneself. When Christianity says aim to please the one who has set you free and aim to serve him, because he has set us free indeed. He has given us eternal life and place, given us a place to abide, to abide in his love that is everlasting. Now let's uh, open in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. Thank you for this time to, to open up your word and to learn from from the Gospel of John to come together and, and sing and to, to fellowship and to talk about life and, and to uh, just to know you more and more, Lord. We thank you for uh, just everything that you have given us. And be with us as we study the text. Open our eyes, open our hearts. Help us grow uh, to know you more and to walk closer with you, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, if you haven't already, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to John. John chapter 15. And we will start with uh, verses 1 and 2. John records this. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
As Jesus told his disciples last week, we saw he told them to, to keep the commandments, right? He told them that there was a helper to come. And now Jesus had just informed him, his followers, that as he leaves, he leaves them with peace. Now they are leaving the place where the Last Supper took place, and now he continues on the road to teach his followers in the hours of the night as he walks towards the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says this to his followers. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is is a vine dresser. And this is the, the son talking to his followers, saying, I am the true vine, which made me think that that means that all those other vines are not true. Jesus alone is the true vine. All other vines may seem to promise life or may seem to have a source of life in them, but they are not true. And this made me think back to what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. An exclusive claim of Christ to be the only way to heaven. And there is no other way. Even if everyone believes that all paths lead to God the truth stands the test of time because Jesus is the one that is alive and at the right hand of the father all other ways are are led by people who are in their graves still they are not the way they are not the living hope no there is no other truth and we cannot really live in a world that says it may be true for you, but it is not true for me. You know, in, in the world, in the physical world, it doesn't work like that, right? The light is either on or off. The stove is either hot or cold, right? In physical reality, you know, we think the spiritual reality doesn't have you know, laws or what God says goes, right? But in the spiritual world, it is like that because God is God and there is no other. He has spoken. He has revealed himself. Now, there is no life apart from Jesus because eternal life is not promised in Mormonism. No, they, they must follow laws to the T. Uh, they must follow the doctrines and the covenants. It is about work, not grace. The same thing in Islam and its pillars. It is about works and prayer and jihad. We usually hear about the big one on TV, but there's a small one too that you must wage as a Muslim as well. But even then, there is no promise of eternal life. We could take the rest of the year, the rest of our time, and look at every other religion and see that it is all about works. That every religion, every cult, every occult on planet earth is all about what, what we need to do in order to obtain salvation or special knowledge. But Christ and Christianity stand in total 
opposition of that. It is all about what God has done for us and whether we accept it or reject it. That is why Jesus stands out. You know, we've seen that through and through the whole of Gospel of John. He is different. He stands out. He is not like others. For he is the true vine. Jesus goes on. He says, my father is the vine dresser. Have you ever met a vine dresser? I never have either. I was like, oh. How, what, what, do you, what do you think when you hear, I see some French guy, right, you know, clipping with the shears, right? Uh, you little guy, you're going to grow so big, you know, right? What is that Russell Crowe movie? A Life in a Year or something? I don't know. Her mom really likes it. <laughs> you know, we have never met a vine dresser, you know, but it is a, it is a person who prunes, trains, and cultivates vines well the to prune a vine is to is to trim it that is to increase the faithfulness and the production of that vine and then it trains totally lost my spot it trains how do you how do you train a plant right you, know, you can train a dog you can train a cat well you can train a vine actually too they it's to develop and to improve the vine. I'm like, that goes along with training. But I was just trying to, you know, how do you sit vine? <laughs> that was my thought. But it's like, no, it's, it's to, to improve and develop it. And then they prepare it. They maintain it. Now, this, is, this is the Father. This is the Lord who has, has formed and framed us. Who doesn't want us destroyed by sin. But wants us to become new creations in Christ Jesus, the vine. To be to be growing for his glory and for our joy. This this title of God brought to mind ownership. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Luke uh, chapter 20. I was gonna use the Matthew reference, but I'm like, you know, we haven't we haven't done a reference in Luke for a while, so. I'll change it up a little bit. But Luke uh, chapter 20, verses 9 through 18. Luke records this. And he began to tell the people this parable. <clears throat> a man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went to another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away in the empty-handed. He sent, and he sent another servant, but they beat him and treat him shamefully. And he sent, and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, and this one they wounded and cast out. And then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son, perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir, let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy 
those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But then he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So it comes to, you know, this, this illustration, of course, is for the Israelite leaders of the time rejecting Christ, that they would be crushed by him. The problem with this whole world, you go and read Psalm 2, you read about the nations, is that we are sinful rebels who think the whole of creation is ours, right? That we can do as we please. But in fact, it is God's. As, as we reject him, we break to pieces. God is God and, and we are not. Jesus goes on in the Gospel of John. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now this brings us to a verse that every every time that I that I heard it talked of when I was early in my walk with Christ, I, I knew a lot of Arminians. Uh, Arminianistic theology believes that one can lose their salvation. And this uh, the leaders would say, Well see this this verse shows you you can lose your salvation. It did and, and does bother me, you know, today. Because that's not, that's not what this verse is talking about at all, actually. It does not say that. It says that the believer who is not bearing fruit will be taken away. From this text and from other texts in Scripture that involves sickness, death, and even excommunication from the local body. But nowhere in this text or in others does it say one will lose their salvation. It's merely taken away, excommunicated, or, or brought to the Lord. You know, the branches that are being fruitful are, are pruned to bear more fruit. Well, do you know that we are built with a purpose? We are, we are formed and framed to work to rest and to give glory to the Lord. So we are about this, as Paul says in Ephesians, we, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As new creations in Christ, as a person that's accepted Jesus as their Savior we are now a workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus for this, for good works, for God has purposed for us to go and do them. Now, do we, do we notice that? That we are all built differently? We all you know, might know the mechanics of something over here, we might know something over here, but not, you know, none of us know it all, right? We are, all, we are all built differently. You know, there are some that are more social than others. There are some that you know, love reading more than others. There's some that love farming and love raising their family and love different things. But we are all 
built for tasks. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read verses 23 through 30, or 23 through 25. Woo! Um, but yeah, 23 through 25. Paul, Paul says this. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And we talked about partiality this morning. Even in judgment, there's no partiality. And whatever we do, whatever job we work, wherever life has us now or wherever life takes us, we work heartily for the Lord. And not just the paycheck or the pretty view, but to work for the Lord because we know this. We know that we will stand before him first and foremost. And he is the one that, as we've seen about ownership, as him being the vine dresser, we are accountable to him in, in all things. Uh, please uh, turn back with me to John, John 15. Verses uh, 3 through 8. And John records this. Already you are clean because of the word, bless you, that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and weathers. And the branches are not are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will, be get, it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And Jesus tells his, his followers right there, his learners, that they are, they are clean. That they are, that they are ready, for they have heard the word of the Lord. He has, he has spoken to them, he has informed them, he has taught them, and they have seen his wonder. They have seen the life manifest before them, as John says in his first letter. And Jesus says this next, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And this, this brings us you know, more context for the verse above, that as we are in our new life in Christ, as we... You know, if we're living in rebellion, judgment may come, sickness and death may come, church discipline or excommunication may come. 
because we are born again, we are meant to abide. Have you ever seen a, a branch from a tree on the side of the road or even in the road? Right? Even last night, it was quite windy. Was it growing? No? Sprouting a tree right there on 86? Oh, watch out, right? No, it's dead, right? It's going to get you know, swept along with the, with the breeze. It's, it's dead. You know, they, are, they are not growing because they are disconnected from the tree. They're disconnected from the roots, which bring the branches nutrients. You know, the source of life, of, of walking in this world for the glory of God and for our joy, for the believer is Jesus, the Messiah, is abiding in him. If we are to do anything. Uh, please turn with me to Colossians again, uh, chapter 1 this time. In verses uh, 21 through 23, Paul states this, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. We see this, that before, before justification we were all alienated from God, but in, but in Christ, by his death, we are, we are justified, we are made holy and blameless. Before God, this is the foundation of the born-again believer. And nothing, not even ourselves, can take that away. As Jesus had stated in John 10, he states this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. That, that all includes us, right? And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So what, what it says in Colossians, what does continue in the faith mean? What is talking about our sanctification? Where in this life now, right? As we, as we walk with Christ, we can become a reproach to him. We can be bad witnesses. We can take his name in vain and we can extinguish or quench the spirit in this life. But if we abide in him, we won't be about our wants or our desires. We will cast away our idols and not be about rebellion, but to be about the greater work that he had talked about earlier, the greater work of preaching the gospel, of making converts, of making disciples of all nations and teaching them what to do. As, as Jesus has just informed them in, in the last part of 14, to follow the commandments, to know him, to abide in him. All for the glory of God. And Jesus goes on saying this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. 
if we cling to the source of life, if we abide in him, if we stay there and accept him and heed his commandments and words, then we will bear fruit. If we go our own way and we are about our own desires and reject his commands and word, then there is no life because we are not attached to the very source of our walk. And that, you know, our source of our walk isn't, you know, programs and camps. It's not about just hanging out with people that we like. It's about abiding with him and spending time in prayer, spending time in the word and spending time together. Because as Proverbs states, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. To abide in Jesus is to be seeking to be transformed by him. To be about bearing fruit and, and wanting his will and way done in our lives. And Jesus says this next, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Now this right here in the context are, are people that have never accepted Jesus. They, they physically live and work and move but they are not a part of the source of life. They are dead in their trespasses and sins because they have not accepted Jesus the Messiah. So they wither and are thrown and they are gathered for judgment and thrown into the fire. You know, that brings the whole central truth is that we are made to live with God forever. But in our state of rebellion, hell is the only other option. Hell wasn't made for us. It was made for Satan and his demons, but the rebels will go there as well. But Jesus goes on in John and says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you and you ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove and so prove to be my disciples. And in, in Christ, we are able to be about the will and way of God. As we abide there, we are able to, to cast our cares upon the one who cares for us, and he's able to give us mercy and grace. Not the new Ferrari, right? You know, we talked about that several weeks ago, like, oh, yeah, we align ourselves with God's will, and he'll give us anything. No, it's about desiring what God wants, being more about his will and way, not our Ferrari design. I don't want a Ferrari. Um, um, but you know, we have someone that cares for us, that we can cast all of our cares on and walk with through this life with him and for him. And then we are able to bear fruit that gives glory to God and thereby proving that we are his disciples. Well, John 15 verses 9 and 11 goes on. And John records this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just, I, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. 
When Jesus tells his followers, I am the true vine, he tells them to abide in him and they will bear much fruit for the glory of God. Now he tells them of the love of the Father for the Son and the love of the Son for his followers. He tells them to abide in my love. Now this love is different, right? You know, just like how the world defined happiness. It's a, it's a feeling. Like this isn't you know, some romantic, gushy soap opera love. It's, it's agape love. Never-ending love. Everlasting love. Enduring love. Love that will never fail. So we stay here in the love of God. That goes along with this. If you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. This, this made me think you know, about that hippie that we, oh, peace, right? <laughs> that we had a couple weeks ago. And we cannot just be all about love, man. All you need is love. It's a good song, right? <laughs> You've heard that one, right? John Lennon. Some head shakes. Oh, we all need to watch movies and listen to music more often. We're going to start those groups I talked about. <laughs> you know, it's not all about that. You know, we must also be about the commandments, the truth of God's word and what he has revealed about himself and us, right? We must accept it as a whole, not only to be about love or to only be about the commandments, which is also a grave misconception on our part. But we must identify with Jesus by listening to Jesus, just what we talked about at the end of 14. Let me say that again. We must identify with Jesus by listening to Jesus, which makes sense, right? If we're following a teacher, if we're following some other rabbi or guru, we would listen to them. Well, if we're following Jesus and identifying with Jesus, we would listen to him. If we're not listening to Jesus, then we would be rejecting his teachings. And this is how we find communion with God you know, in the abiding life. You know, that communion can be derailed and destroyed, deformed, but our, our union, that foundation, cannot be I wanted to talk about one, one verse that really clarifies that. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to turn, turn over there with me. But I had uh, quite a few references in that, in that part where it's like the, the branches are taken away. They're not thrown into the fire. But Paul states this in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, <coughs> each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. And that's, that's judgment day. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. But if the work that anyone has built on excuse me, built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone 
and if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now that's the that's the Christian life right there. Paul is really describing you know rewards and what's going to happen at the last day. And that foundation is laid in in Christ as a person is justified as they believe in Him. They are they are sealed. Now as we walk, as we work, what do we build with? You know, and you know, do we build with silver and gold? Do we build with precious stones or do we build with, especially with fire coming, right? You know, wood, hay, and straw are not going to make it, right? How will our work manifest? Then on, on the day, the day of the Lord, it will be revealed, it will be tested by fire. And what we built on on that foundation will be tested. And this is what is called the, the Bema Seed of Christ, where all the followers are gathered and given account for their life. Salvation is not hanging in the balance, but we are given rewards or we are suffering loss. If our works are burned up, it's like we, we go, but we have nothing to offer our king, nothing that we have, have done accounts for much. Don't we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or do we want to be like the man who just buries the one tenant? Or do we want to use that five or that ten or whatever we've been given as a gift from the Lord to use to bless others and to glorify him? You know, this is about our, our walk with the Lord, what we do with him, because he has do for him because he has redeemed us it has nothing to do with our eternal destination and jesus says this lastly these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full aren't we all looking for that right no i'm gonna be depressed or anxious right no i'm not you know no we want we want the joyful life the life that is full and fulfilling. Well, we can we can have that right here, right? It's an it's an odd thing, right? You know, where the the camel through the eye of the needle, you know, getting a rich man through heaven, but taking taking off all these other things of like the question that I asked, you know, all these other options in the Western world, what's better, right? Oh, these these you know materialism, all this, uh, you know, porn, all these other things fill me, you know. But no, Christ. And that, that means repenting, realizing who we are, and then bowing before a king who is in control, not me, right? That's a hard thing for our, for any part of the world, because we're all sinners, so not, not just the West, right? But this is where the fulfilling life is, is, is denying oneself, picking up our cross, and following Christ. Uh, the abundant life is not in our bank account, not in our house or our car or even our hobbies. The abundant life, the joyful life is right here following Jesus and listening to his commands and abiding in his love. Jesus says it just like this in John 10. The thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I come that I may have life, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
So you just think about it as the thief, those false vines are all there promising something that they can't. They can't hold their promise. There is no guarantee with that salesman, right? That thief comes to kill, steal, or destroy. But the true vine, the good shepherd, comes to lay down his life for the sheep that we would have life, right? The abundant life. And if we walk towards those other vines, if we go to those other vines, those those thieves can, can offer life. But then those, those disciples should know that discipline is, is needed. Discipline will come. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read verses 4 through 8. The author writes this. You know, as, as we struggle, as we go through life, you know, uh, it's good to know that even in discipline, we're reminded of who we are. It says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises even the son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom the father does not whom his father does not discipline? If we are left without discipline, in which all we have participated, then you are Ill illegitimate children and not sons. Now, when I read this verse, I always think of my, my good friend Joe Reagan from Frontier School of the Bible. He's like, yeah, sometimes God just needed a two-by-four for my head. You know, he had to knock something loose. It's like, yeah, you know, discipline is a part of being a child. And what are we? We're, we're children of God. This, this is a, a proof of address thing. That we are, we are sons and daughters. We're disciples. Well, being a disciple, you get to get disciplined in things. It's, it's fun. You know, reading, singing, communicating with other people. Ah, scary stuff. You know, and it's this also. It's conviction of sin. It's when the Holy Spirit points out things, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, to, to not do those things. And then if we continue, the chastisement would come even from our conscience and from him, and then even from the church body as a whole. Because we have been received by the Almighty. So he is to work his will and his way in us, because we are what? We are his workmanship, which is an amazing thing to think about. This is, this is proof of our salvation and then further proof that our sanctification is not that we become utterly sinless one day but we are more and more aware of our sin and our desires and grow in our walk as a humble servant of the Lord seeking to serve him and not ourselves picking right denying ourselves 
picking up our cross and following him is a daily thing. We see this progression actually in the letters of Paul. If you uh, read in 1 Corinthians, he actually calls himself this. He calls himself, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. He gives a reason right here, because I persecuted the church of God. And then he says this in Ephesians. And I think I think these are all in the little uh, handout, but Ephesians 3.8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then lastly, as we as we see in one of the letters of Timothy in 1 Timothy 15, he says this, the saying is trustworthy and deserves a full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm foremost, or as other translations, it says chief, the chief of all sinners. Yeah, as we walk as a follower of Christ, even from Paul's perspective, we can see that we are not to become perfect or sinless or the Ned Flanders of the neighborhood, but we are to be about our aware need of him, to cling closer to him, to draw near to him all the more each day, to abide in him like the branch abides in the vine, to cling to him and to run the race that is set before us for his glory and our joy. Now today we have we've seen that if Jesus is the true vine, we have seen that our walk in Christ is about abiding in the Lord through it all, for he alone is the source of life. There are no others. And then we see that as we abide in the love of God, as we walk with him, as we are about his word, we listen to him. We are about his will and way. Now this means that we, we need to understand that there is no other way. You know, we talked about that at the beginning of 14, and I think it was 50-some 50, 50 percent of believers. You know, some articles call it born again, but a lot of argumentation has happened because online there was yet another release from the Christian Post, and I can't remember else, but this week actually, it's 70% of born-again believers and down the comment lines, you don't, you don't want to read those, but some people were making good points is that that's churchgoers in general, but 70% believed that Jesus was not the only way. I was like, so it did grow as my prediction. What, that was two weeks ago that we talked about that, right? That, you know, it, it, it has grown. That belief has grown even within the household of faith. But then, you know, you talk about, well, what are those churches about? Are they even preaching the gospel? You come to the fact that 51% of people don't even know the Great Commission where Jesus sends us because he is the only hope, right? And we need to know that every other way leads to death and hell. This means as we walk in Christ, it is to abide in him, to stay here, to grow here, to seek and to know and understand his word. At the end, it means a life full of joy. That is a life not about ourselves, but a life with purpose to give glory to God in whatever we do and, and wherever we go. So how do we apply this to life today? How do we, how do we start? Well, I think, you know, 
a Christ follower, as, as we just stated, needs to understand that there is one vine. You know, it is narrow, right? Jesus calls it that. Narrow is the way, right? It is very narrow in a world full of ideas, in a world full of worldviews that says you can have whatever you want, you can have your own truth. But this is the truth that is declared from our Lord's lip, lips. Lord, he clears the mud from the water and shows us that all other religions, cults, and occults are lies because we ourselves cannot. Just read the book of Romans, right? Read chapter one. You don't even have to read the whole thing. We ourselves cannot work to God. We need rescue. We need Messiah. And thankfully, he has come, right? Christmas is on the way. He's coming. He's, he's come and he's coming back again. He's the only one that fits the bill as Messiah. In our walk with the Lord, we are not about our own power. We are not about our projects or programs. No, we abide in Jesus because he is our hope. We stay here. We agree with what Paul has stated in Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's awesome. We live because he lives, right? That's what Jesus said last week, is that you live because I live. We live by faith. We live by trusting and resting in God with our whole, loving him with our whole being. Lastly, as we, as we look for that full life, I think, you know, life itself can be pretty messy, right? Weeks get long, you know? The world is broken and we await a Savior who will return and restore all things and wipe all tears away. But now we walk and grow in this. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me one more, one more time to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. This would be a good homework chapter if you want some extra homework. Uh, read chapter 5 tonight. Or, or, or listen to it too. I've really gotten into audio Bibles lately. I, I really enjoy that. Hearing the different voices and the different dramatics are, are pretty good. So read, listen to this chapter. But these verses, we read verses 22 through 25. Paul writes this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then every uh, person loves this one, self-control, right? Against such things there are no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There's no law against these things you can you can go you can run as far as you can and there's nothing that's going to stop you because that's where we can go you know we are set apart in jesus 
no longer to live in the flesh. And I think of Toby's illustration where he's, yeah, uh, let's see how far I can get to this before the Lord, you know, that two by four is going to come for you. <laughs> but, you know, as we you know, live for that, how can we dabble in this? How can we pretend to not be rebellious? You know, but the, God sees our hearts. And there is no rule against these things. We can live in the spirit. We can step by step keep with the spirit in these things for the glory of God and for our joy. But even as we talked about in Sunday school, not just ours, but the people around us too. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for the Gospel of John, Lord. We thank you for your word and just revealing yourself to humanity. That you are God, that we are accountable to you. That we can abide in you and, and bear fruit for your glory and for our joy. And that we can, we can know you more and more each day, Lord, and we can just run the race that you have set out for before us. You know, that we can, as new creations, as born again followers of yours, we can know that we are your workmanship, that you have started a good work in us and that you will continue it until the day you appear and that we can abide in you and hope in you and deny ourselves, cling to our cross and follow you day in and day out, O oh Lord. Thank you for this time together. Thank you that we can we can gather and, and sing and, and open up your word. Help us go forward from today and take this next week just day by day, step by step with the Spirit, casting our cares upon him who cares for us. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.